This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 29. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hello, my dear listeners from all over the world. Last week, we talked about the relationship of psychology and spirituality. And this week, I want to have a closer look at personal spirituality, because as I see it, it's something that people have a deep need for, but that is surrounded by lots of confusion. As the title suggests, this is about personal spirituality. So I'm not really talking about research findings today, but use my own experiences to illustrate one way of pursuing spirituality and hopefully inspiring you to think about these topics in a little bit more depth. I'm highly passionate about this topic, um, so I could talk about this for hours, but I won't. I have zero interest in converting anyone to any religion or spiritual path. I'm not, um, I'm not I don't belong to any of the established churches or religions or anything like that, but I've engaged with spirituality for my whole life. However, I do have an interest in people understanding the existence of alternatives, ways of thinking and acting. And I really believe that lots of learned thinking and behavior patterns block us from leading fulfilled lives. So I want to start off with why engage with spirituality in the first place. As I see it, there are lots of different reasons. One very simple one is simply being drawn to it. For lots of things, we have no idea why we like them. There is no rational reason to love spaghetti or to be attracted to guys with British accents. Similarly, while I might have some clues, I might never exactly know why I personally have been attracted to this topic from a very early age. Another reason to engage with spirituality is that spiritual traditions and ideas can act as an alternative. Lots of people come to the realization that what we have learned in school, growing up and from the media, does somehow not really cover all the interests, all the areas and and important questions. It doesn't really offer answers to lots of questions that we might have and it doesn't really touch on certain dimensions which which we might feel exist although we have very little proof for that and it's easy to think that reality and the, the ideas we grow up with constitute the truth however learning about other ideas for example on the topics of love the origin of life or death can show us that we have more options to make sense of the world than we realized before Once we have opened our mind to lots of different possibilities, we can explore what is important to us. Once we know, we can become less reactive and more intentional in our thinking, feeling and behavior. And the important message to take away is that if you don't engage in clarifying your values, your priorities and your life philosophy, you will be at the mercy of lots of random behaviors, some of which might be helpful but others, I'm afraid, not so much. Now, another reason we like to engage with spirituality is that the skills we develop on our spiritual path are actually useful in daily life. For example, if you think about it, believing things we can't prove or know for sure has lots of benefits. 
Now, we think we are very rational beings and we do everything based on reason. But if you think about it, you can never scientifically prove that someone loves you. You can have the ability to believe that they do, even if they struggle to express it. And that has a lot of benefits. Similarly, you can never scientifically show that someone is trustworthy. But if you wait for evidence um, to f from someone to show that they're trustworthy, you can get into very unhealthy dynamics before the relationship even starts. What I mean by that, um, if we have this attitude that people have to earn our trust and you know, when when have they earned our trust? When is it enough? When can we finally start trusting them? And we might actually waste a lot of time if we can never, if we always need, you know, scientific evidence or other kind of evidence before we make a decision. And that doesn't, it's not about discounting science. It doesn't mean that some things don't make sense. All I'm trying to say is that the ability to believe in something you cannot see yet is very useful. Just imagine um, before MP3 players existed, before smartphones existed, somebody had to actually have faith in their idea to develop those things, they, that they will be useful, um, that they could be actually technically, that it's technically possible to do these things. And without faith, um, that would not have been possible. Then another reason to engage with spirituality is maybe the wish to experience something special, something like altered states of consciousness or being touched deep inside by some kind of force that we can't even explain. Maybe it's also about failing a deeper connection with life. And last but not least, maybe we have a need to have a relationship with something that's bigger than ourselves. The point here is that you don't have to believe in a God at all to have a relationship with something bigger. Your relationship can be based on deep wonder and admiration of how nature works, how intricately everything is connected and how much beauty there is. It doesn't mean that you're concerned with the afterlife, although you could be. It means that you want to honor the forces which let beauty unfold every day, which let life unfold every day, and that you acknowledge that you are connected to everything. Um, through a process scientists call evolution. We are actually connected to everything we see. There is, everything is in us and we are in everything. So, as you see, there's no need to believe in a god. There's no need to care about life after death, although all these topics can be interesting to explore in themselves. But if these ideas repel you, that doesn't mean that spirituality is not for you. So how do we actually engage with spirituality? Just as a little reminder, these are not scientifically recommended ways of engaging with spirituality. Today is about personal spirituality. So I'm telling you about what I have found to be important. In this section, I will talk about helpful attitudes when engaging with spirituality, reading, reflection, relationships, rituals, and challenges. Now, there are lots of things we could talk about when we talk about engaging with spirituality. As I said in the beginning, there's much more we could talk about prayer. We could talk about um, going, attending, you know, r institutionalized forms of spirituality and religion. But I'm just zeroing in on these things which have been important to me. So when it comes to helpful attitudes, 
I'd like to start out with something that is written in the Quran, actually. And it is said that the Quran is to be like a shy bride. It only reveals its mystery slowly and only to those who are sincere and loving towards it. To me, this is true about spirituality in general. And that means that we need to refrain from the need to immediately box things we don't understand. While we're on the journey of spirituality, the journey itself might have a long-term goal that's specific. You know, for example, you want to turn your life into being someone who's really mastered the arts of expressing love in, in as many situations as possible. Or maybe you are a practicing Christian and your goal in life is to come as closely, to lead a life that comes as closely to that of Jesus Christ as possible. But what I've found is that if you sit down and engage in goal-oriented spiritual practices, which means that you want to achieve a specific outcome. So, for example, if you pray, you want you know, your God to answer your prayer in a specific way, or you want your meditation to make you feel a certain way. And I don't know about you, but I've found that that usually doesn't work for me very well. What does work, on the other hand, is an open kind of curiosity as to what might happen next and what works well and what doesn't work well. And that's actually almost a little bit like a scientist, um, which just approaches something with a fairly open mind instead of wanting to achieve a specific state. Now, another helpful attitude is that there might be passages you don't understand or things that people say to you and you simply have no idea what they mean. And we are taught that critical thinking is sophisticated thinking, but usually we are not critical towards ourselves, but we are excessively critical towards unknown beliefs and ideas. And if we make it a practice to hold beliefs in a judgment-free zone, the shy bride will start to reveal her mysteries to us, and I've seen that very clearly. Whereas if we just decide from the outset that something makes no sense whatsoever, we will not get down to the bottom of the mystery. That you can be pretty sure. So, the Jews say that by loving God, we learn how to love our husbands and wives. And by loving our wives, we learn how to love God. Again, I think this is a helpful attitude and it doesn't just extend to husbands or wives, but to people in general and to spirituality in general. By engaging with spirituality, we learn to love life. And by loving life, we evolve our spirituality. Now, reading is another practice that helps us on our spiritual path. And if any sacred texts interest you, go ahead. However, if they don't, that doesn't mean that you can't read about spirituality. I'm a big believer that if we let our soul unfold in its own time, it will guide us to the sources we need. And the interesting thing is that the book doesn't even need to be about anything spiritual. You can read anything with a spiritual lens by asking yourself how what you just read refers to your fundamental concerns. How is it important to your life? How is it important to your beliefs? Even more important than reading is perhaps reflecting on what you have read or experienced. My best friend said to me not long ago,
that the prophets, poets, and wise people we still refer to thousands of years later didn't read hundreds of books. Instead, they really reflected and implemented what they had read. And personally, I like to write down passages by hand that are meaningful to me because it signals to my brain that this is something it can mull over. Now, I actually have a private blog where I keep track of quotes, life lessons, truths um, I'm figuring out, or how something theoretical and abstract like letting go can be done in practical terms. Every couple of years I print it because it's impossible to remember all the truths and lessons I have experienced over time. Also, it shows me how my spiritual journey unfolds. And I'm not suggesting that you do exactly what I do. The ways that I'm talking about engaging with spirituality should just be like little inspiration, little inspirational bits for you to think about what might sound cool to you, what might resonate with you. And in terms of reflection, let me quote um, Letters to Young Poet by the German poet Rainer Maria Rilke. He says, Have patience with everything that remains unresolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms, like books written in a foreign language. Do not now look for the answers. They cannot now be given to you because you could not live them. It is a question of experiencing everything. At present, you need to live the question. Perhaps you will gradually, without even noticing it, find yourself experiencing the answer some distant day. I don't know about you, but I really love this approach because we are taught that, you know, if we don't do something actively all the time, nothing will get done. But actually, the poet um, refers to how a more organic understanding of how things work can unfold. Um, nature, once we've sown the, s- sown the seeds, we have, you know, the fertile earth, we water it every once in a while, but after that, what happens is that we have to grow, we have to allow growth to happen. And he reminds us that that's true about reflection as well. Another way of engaging with spirituality is through relationships and I love reading personally and contemplating things and I'm very happily occupied doing this by myself but some lessons I could have never learned without falling in love and I don't necessarily mean romantic love real love is deeply transformative and to me deep and sometimes very intense friendships have forced me in a good way to grow into truths I would have otherwise been too scared to have anything to do with. For example, when a relationship hits a bump or ends, it's quite natural to feel sad and bitter. However, I don't want the whole relationship to be tainted when I really love someone. So although it goes against my learned responses, because my learned response would be to be angry and disappointed and and sad and bitter at the person, Um, The love I feel for them can push me to explore a question of how love can truly overcome the separation. This love and that came as a result of these friendships and relationships has motivated me not only to intellectually understand, but actually experience 
what mystics like the poet Rumi mean when they say that separation is an illusion. And I think that's one of the biggest testaments that we can make to love is to actually go down to the depth of our soul and confront the issues that are hard for us. The to face the fears that we were before just conveniently running away from or shutting off. So that's something that I find relationships can do a great job. Other times, a deep fascination with someone in their culture has led me to read things I would have otherwise not read, travel to places I wouldn't have visited, and overcome my own limited beliefs. For example, a couple of years ago, when I read some particularly unbelievable part of the Old Testament, my brain would shout, that makes no sense at all. But my heart would say, this person who I deeply respect and love is not a stupid person who needs fairy tales. So what truth does she see that I don't see yet? Another way to engage with spirituality is through rituals. And I love it when people from other faiths and cultures explain their rituals to me, especially when they know why they do things. And rituals are usually designed to ensure that we engage with certain topics repeatedly. And this is not only done intellectually, for example, through reading special passages of a sacred text, but also through actions, which are supposed to reinforce the theme of the holiday by repeatedly engaging with a topic. The diff a deeper understanding can be reached, and people often consider ritual to be meaningless, but if done mindfully, they can help us refocus on our core values. And when we hear about rituals from other culture, I've noticed that we often explain it. So, for example, if Ramadan, people often explain it by saying, well, during Ramadan, Muslims are not allowed to eat and drink. Or when they hear about the Sabbath that the Jews practice every week, they say something like, oh, that's the day when Jews are not allowed to work or use technology. And if we are satisfied with those kind of explanations, we miss the most important part of those rituals. And the most important point is that by not doing certain things, a space is created in which other things can be done which are normally not done. And that includes extended prayers, increased time with loved ones while preparing and carrying out the ritual, remembering important stories and truths that are relevant both to the individual but also to the whole culture, and often a renewed commitment to practice one's spirituality. And what I found is that even small rituals like turning the TV off and the smartphone off every Friday night, or even just one Friday a month, and instead talking to our loved ones can have a profound impact on both our spiritual lives and our happiness. And finally, another way to engage with spirituality is when we bump up against challenges. Now, if I want my spirituality to be there for me, I think it's help helpful to cultivate certain qualities in times when things are going well. Otherwise, I'm trying to access a resource that does not exist yet. Which means that if we only meditate when we're in a bad state, or if we only pray when we're in a bad state, chances are these things are not going to help as much as they would if 
we actually have certain practices that we do fairly regularly. Now, the thing about challenges is that if we look at challenges through a spiritual lens, we can ask ourselves, are my regular reactions helpful or healthy? Or could a more spiritual lens actually help me to deal better with the challenge at hand? And what did I mean by that? For example, we could ask ourselves, what would a spiritual role model do, like the Buddha or Jesus in this situation? What would be the most loving action to take right now, regardless of what the knee-jerk reaction would be? And this doesn't mean that we have to act like saints all the time. It just means that by looking at our challenges through the lens of spirituality and our core beliefs, it helps us to understand that there are options. We have options when we react to a situation. And having thought about our life philosophy, having thought about our spirituality, often enables us to make better decisions. And finally, it's a cliché. But it's a cliche because it's true that certain resources like inner strength and true friendship and other things can be revealed in crisis. And I've actually heard a friend of mine who had cancer said that, that in lots of ways, the experience, the physical experience was, of course, very hard. But in lots of ways, she's grateful for having gone through that because she actually found resources in herself that she had no idea existed. She found who her true friends were. And that mattered to her more than just feeling well all the time. And I'm not saying that that's how everybody should react who's challenged by anything difficult. Not at all. Um, it's completely normal to, to be distressed and dismayed by these things. But I'm saying that by employing a spiritual lens, sometimes we can get a different perspective that we otherwise simply wouldn't get. Now, I hope this session has given you some food for thought, and much more could be said about this topic. But I'll leave it at this, and I'm very interested in anybody's stories about their spirituality. So if you want to, let me know. Contact me. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.